significant victory marred by an alleged ugly remark. Inter Miami is off to the international break under less than ideal circumstances, despite the team delivering on the field. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Miami Total Football Radio, a.k.a. Miami Total Football Radio. My name is Franco Perizzo. I am one-third of your hosting team. On this week's pod, we usually have four, but we're at three this week. Jose Armando and Andrea Yanis are both in the house. And unfortunately, we can't just stick to football this time around because there was an ugly incident, an alleged ugly incident in Inter Miami's most recent victory. We will dive into what we know, our thoughts on the whole situation, and what it all means going forward for the team, as well as just in general in MLS and overall. We will, of course, dive into the victory, which is a big victory. It's been overshadowed a bit, but it is a big victory for Inter Miami because they are now above the playoff line. We'll dive into the playoff outlook, three games left in the season. Of course, we will also talk about some of the performances in there. And this should be a relatively shorter pod because there's no game to preview for a couple of weeks. So there will be no preview segment here. So I will just introduce my two co-hosts, starting with... Jose Armando. Jose, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Still thinking about what happened, obviously, during the game, um, what it means for Inter Miami to get three points. Obviously, you know, it, it got overshadowed by the fact that, you know, something unfortunate happened on the field. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, it's it, it's it, it's mixed feelings, right? Because, I mean, it's you, you never want to see... Um, something like that happened. And yeah, on the other hand, it's three points and it's uh, Honduras Argentina week. So um, I guess we'll all recover, but I think this is something that we need to talk about and uh, and reflect on it. Every, everybody needs to do something after this. So yeah, that's where I'm at. Andrea, how are you tonight? Well, happy to be back. But um, like Jose said, uh, really sorry that we have to talk about this. Um, about this or what happened in, in the match against DC United what was allegedly said what was said what was the reaction we, ha- we will talk uh, about that of course um, it's a difficult subject but uh, we need to talk about it and instead of talking about the playoff hopes that Inter Miami have now in reality because I haven't been in the podcast uh, like for three weeks in a row, but now I can say they are in the playoff race in reality. So I'm happy to be back with you guys. So we will talk about all those things and more on this week's episode. Uh, and of course, you know, there's we're gonna start with the with the toughest talking point. But before we get to all that, next week will be well. We're in the international break now officially, so next week we will have another pod, and that pod will be just more focused on the preview of the next game for Inter Miami, which is against Toronto FC. So, Jose, Andrea, we've got plenty to talk about. Let's get to it. Okay, guys, so before we dive into the X's and O's and our analysis and the game overall, Like we mentioned just now in the intro segment, we've got to talk about the alleged racist remark made by Taxi Fontas to Damian Lowe and Ame Mabika. Now, 
This happened early in the second half. We can see clearly from the cameras and from the broadcast and from the replay that Taxi Fontas had got into an exchange of words and a heated exchange with Damian Lowe. You can't make out what is said based on what we can see on the broadcast. At least, I don't... I mean, I couldn't. I don't know about you guys. And it's never clear what was said. And MLS came out afterwards and said in their initial findings on or, or um, on VAR and, you know, they, they, they couldn't... They didn't pick up or they didn't hear, even after the fact, anything uh, that was racist. But, obviously, if Inter-Miami reacted the way that they did, or Inter-Miami players reacted the way that they did, I don't think that that's just for no reason. So, listen, Taxi Fontas was subbed out of the game. He had scored a goal to tie it up and make it 2-2. But he was subbed out out of the game after a lengthy discussion between head referee Ishmael Elfath, head coaches Phil Neville and Wayne Rooney, so Inter Miami players obviously came close to the sidelines or the touchlines and also, you know, expressed their thoughts and it was a talking point after the game. Although Inter Miami did find a way to win it in the dying seconds, obviously, the biggest talking point was still the fact that this moment occurred. Now, again, we have to say it's alleged because, obviously, as of right now, that's all that's known is that there was an exchange on the field. Inter-Miami is saying that there was a racist remark used. The little bit that DC United members or players have said or what's come out of there so far is that it was not said. But obviously, again, I don't think Inter-Miami is reacting that way just for... Or Inter-Miami players are reacting that way just because they want to. I think, you know, there's obviously something there. So from what we do know, Jose, start with you. Your thoughts on the ugly incident that marred what was an otherwise solid game and a solid victory for Inter Miami? Well, I do agree that you know it's it, it, it's hard to believe that nothing happened because you know the way Inter Miami reacted to to the whole situation pretty much tells you um, that there was something happening something going on on the field and and I think DeAndre Yedlin after the game provided. Uh, a lot of insight into into what what went on on the field because he actually told the whole story the way it happened the the, the fact that you know Damian Lowe and and Taxi Fontas were they got into an argument and that's when the racist racist um, slur came out so um i think that's 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 solid testimony right there now the fact uh, of the matter is that you know for sanctions and 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 for 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 the league to take action, you actually need to prove it, right? And and but I think that's another conversation. Um, I, I I in this case, I think I uh, I do believe that something was said just because you know nobody would react um, like that if 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 nothing was said on the field. And so um, and to me, the one thing you know that that really is is a very important action here. And and we talked a little bit on on our group chat. It's the fact that Wayne Rooney decided to take Taxi Fontas out, and um, if I'm Taxi and uh, I feel like my coach is doing something just to please everybody else, and he's putting me in the spot um, about something that I didn't do, I would go to Wayne Rooney, and I will explain to him that I did nothing wrong, 
and that and then I shouldn't be taken off the field, um, you know, because, you know, but part of the story um, is that um, Phil uh, Neville and and um, DeAndre Yedlin agreed that they would not continue to play unless something was done at that point in the game. And so if you're Wayne Rooney and you take him out, you're basically acknowledged from my standpoint, you basically acknowledge that something did happen, right? Because I, I'm just, I, that's that's the one thing that gets me thinking because at that point when I heard that in the press conference, I was like, man, this is, this is, this is really bad and, and there's nothing this United can do. They will come out and say, I'm sorry and, and let the league you know, do whatever they have to do. But it really surprised me that just a few hours later, um, DC United, they didn't back down from what they did on the field. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but, you know, they denied some of the of the allegations from, from Inter-Miami. So um, I think this is something that, you know, we, we need to talk about more. And the one thing that I, I um, that I think, um, I feel that wasn't taken care of the right way. It was the fact that um, Damian Lowe and Mavika were not available after the game. And we did ask. I think that, we did ask for Damian yeah. Lowe. We did ask. We didn't ask for Amey Mavika. We didn't know that he was. From what we gathered on the broadcast, we did not know that Amey Mavika was directly involved or as directly involved as as it was said that he was post game. You know, it, we did ask for Damian Lowe. In the during the match, and we said, you know, we'd like to talk to Damien after the game. Multiple media members made that request, and we did not get approval for that request. We spoke to DeAndre Yedlin, who was very direct and honest about his he feelings. Gave, he gave and about, a lot of good information. I think he gave a lot of good information. I don't know if you agree, but he was not directly involved in the whole situation. And that's why it's a little bit unfortunate that we didn't get to talk to Damian Lowe because that would be a lot more precise on what happened, what he heard. And, um, well, Phil Neville said, know, Phil Neville said that the N word was used. That's what, right. That's what Phil Neville said in post game. So that's what inter Miami is alleging. Now, like you said, DC United from, you know, the little that they've commented and the little that's come out, of their camp in the immediate aftermath is that nothing was said. But like you mentioned, then why take off Taxi Fontas? Why take him off if you, after the fact, are going to say that, well, no, that that wasn't said. The slur was not said. You know, why take him off? Was it because Inter Miami wasn't going to play otherwise? I mean, it, it, but that doesn't really make much sense because DC United was is eliminated, so... It's not like they're, you know, they had to play the game yes or yes to, you know, fight for their playoff lives. So I agree with you there that, you know, taking Taxi Fontas out is a sign or could be interpreted as a sign of an admission of guilt. But again, from what we know right now, from what MLS has initially put out, and they will do a more thorough investigation, but the initial response, uh, or, I don't, am I, am, I mess, am I making a mistake here? Was it MLS or was it Pro? Someone came out after the game and said, that from what they both both did okay so pro pro by one side and that is for the people to know those are the referees and then mls came out with their own statements too and from what was and said the, so far was the, that no that, and the referee also answered and, some questions from the media and and when from what was said what's been reported so far is that no one 
besides the players and people involved, heard the slur. Like, it wasn't heard on the broadcast, but it wasn't heard on any mic, VAR, none of that. None of that was able to confirm that the slur was used. Again, based on Intermimi's reactions, something was said. Clearly, something was said. Now, we'll see how MLS handles it. Something DeAndre Yedlin said he's going to keep an eye on going forward. He even posted uh, an Instagram story on his on yeah. his on his uh, profile and you know kind of saying the exact same thing so obviously this, it is this, good this, that this... he's pressuring the league because uh, you know the league sometimes brushes uh, things off um we know that they are very interested in 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 the PR side of things and of the positive side of 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 things in the league so this is a difficult subject for them but um, well, MLS, MLS has, yeah, and, and I'm just sorry to interrupt you there, but MLS has a lot of, you know, a lot of, I don't know, I don't know if it's, it's not slogans or a lot of initiatives where they say don't cross the line and, you know, yeah. no, you know they stand that up to racism. And to so, mm-hmm. like, clearly this will take a very thorough investigation. This will have legs probably through the international break going into into the return of MLS action in two weekends' times. So I don't think this is the last, obviously, that we hear of this, but we'll see what MLS finds. We'll see what they what they come up with. Clearly, there's going to be pressure on MLS to do something here, but yeah, that they have, but they have, but they have to, but they're going to have to find, like, they're going to have to actually find more evidence than Inter Miami said versus DC United said. Clearly, we can surmise here, and we can say that we think. Inter Miami uh, is, you know, has a right to respond in the way that they did. But if MLS is going to punish Taxi Fontas and suspend him multiple games and and make an example out of him, or you know maybe rip up his contract or whatever they decide to do, but they need more tangible evidence than just Inter Miami said this and DC United said this. Now again, there's a lot of things yeah. to point to. There's a lot of things pointing to. DC United or Taxi being in the in the wrong here is again Wayne Rooney pulling him off. That's a, that's a big one. That's a big one that, that does not go yeah. in in DC United's favor. Uh, you know in this in this moment. So and I have a, I have another and also one for his you. statement is is really is really bad because he's well let's 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 give the whole let's give the whole let's give the whole quote and then I want to hear what Jose had to, has to add there. Taxi Fontas on his Instagram in these in the aftermath of this posted this paragraph quote i did not use the word i am being accused of you using that despicable racial slur is one i denounce and did not use we had a hot discussion on the field but i have not racially abused anyone i firmly reject racism in any form it is despicable i have many friends from many cultures i always respect the culture religion and skin color of each person i am therefore very upset by this accusation and saddened to be falsely accused. End quote. Okay, so we're in he said, he said territory. And again, we can deduce right. a lot of things from the outside based on the reactions, but when it comes to actually proving whether that's what was said, that's what MLS is up against, that's what they're going to have to to really walk a fine line here. Because yes, there's going to be public pressure, and there's going to be, you know... Uh, if if they come out and don't give Taxi Fontas any punishment, 
then a lot of people will be critical of MLS. But at the same time, if they punish Taxifontas without actually having more concise evidence that he used a racial slur, which he is emphatically denying, then they're, then they're walking a slippery slope of what, what, what do you do now anytime someone says, oh, he said this, but you don't have proof. And obviously, again, this is a very extreme case, and it's unfortunate that we have to talk about this because, as you know here, we like to stick to the X's and O's, the analysis of the game. That's, that's, what, that's what we feel like we are our best at. But we have to talk about this. We can't ignore this. We have to address it. So, Jose, what did you want to add with regards to this topic? Yeah, I think another, you know, it's an, another important thing that was said in the press conference um, relates to to Wayne Rooney and and Phil. They had a conversation, which I'm sure is recorded because I think we heard some of it. At least a conversation between the referee and Phil. We heard some of it in the broadcast, so I'm sure MLS will have that as evidence. And um, in the press conference, Phil was uh, um, okay with the way the referee handled the whole thing in the way Wayne Rooney handled the situation, which leads me to believe that Phil will not be okay if uh, Wayne Rooney was to say your player is lying or it's not true. They didn't say that. Um, I don't think Phil will will agree with that and will come out in the press conference and say that Wayne Rooney handled the whole thing really, really well. Okay, no, no, right? hold, so, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because it's not just he said it or he didn't say it. There could be, right, there could have been a misunderstanding. There could have been Inter-Miami hearing or thinking they heard something and Taxi Fontas not actually saying what they think they heard. That's a possibility here, right? Based on what they're both saying. Decent D- taxi saying this, he didn't say it. And Miami, I mean, Mabika Damian Lowe is saying that he that he did. So we can surmise I'm again. Sure Phil, but I'm sure, Franco, I'm sure Phil went to Wayne and 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 talked to him about what happened. At least what he believed okay, happened so, at that point. So there was, so there was. So they had that conversation. Jose on the broadcast. You know, from what we could see and from the little we could hear from the mics that the, what the mics at Audi Field could pick up. The only thing I heard was Ishmael Elfath at one point saying, I did not hear it. Something along those lines. I did not hear it. And and it's something about it being very serious, obviously, if it if it's what is found out or what is, you know, the, what's investigated and if that's found out to be the case. But he gives... And this is fact, this is not an opinion. He gives both Damian Lowe and Taxi Fontas a yellow card. Ishmael Alfath does. And then DC United makes a decision to sub off Taxi Fontas. And the game continues. Damian Lowe stayed in the game up until he took a free kick to the face. And then had to come out due to, I don't know, concussion protocol or concussion scare. So they both got a yellow card. Again, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how MLS handles this. And it'll be interesting to see what they find. Let's say Taxi Fontas is found guilty of using the racial slur. Jose, what is the punishment you think MLS hands down? I'm not saying what you think is the punishment they should hand down. What is the punishment MLS hands down, in your opinion? Um... I would say MLS uh, would do a suspension, without a doubt. Um, my questioning will be on the number of games. 
Um, I don't know. I say that they, five games, maybe a five game suspension. Okay. I don't know if that's enough, really. I I I'm, I, I don't want to say if that's enough or not, but that's that's my guess. Okay. I think that's that's what they could do. Andrea, that's if I'm thinking five games and they come out with five games, I don't think I was I will be surprised by that number. Andrea, what do you think MLS will do? Not what they should do, what they will do. I um, um truthfully, I would expect more than four games because they just gave the New York Red Bulls player who threw a ball accident and accidentally hit a person uh, four games. So that was accidental. Yes, he was mad he kicked the ball, but it was an accident. And here, if he if if Fontas said re, really said that to to Damian Lowe and and Marika, um, it would be uh, worse than that, and it would include other stuff that goes against uh, MLS rules, of course, and of course uh, normal people behavior. So I think it, it 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 would be more more than that because of the optics of of the league, you know. But how uh, many? Right how now, many? Give me a number. I could think maybe six, seven, eight, or eight games, something like that. So I think, this is just my opinion of what I think MLS will do if if they find Taxi Fontas guilty. I think it'll be much more extreme than both of what you guys are saying. I think it could be a half a season suspension from games, probably could train, to ripping up his contract. One, I see... One of those two is the possibilities here. But we haven't seen a real punishment from MLS. There's been other incidences where allegedly a player has said something. I think the Portland Timbers are one of the most recent examples. But it's never really been found out to be the case. And there's never been a severe punishment. I think if Fontas, I okay with that. I think if Fontas is, is found guilty, 16 games, half a season. Obviously, there's going to be a monetary fine. Probably have to take some type of courses or classes um you know like that sean watson situation <laughs> but he could very easily just be let go as well very easily be let go yeah. as well let's not forget yeah, i could see that let's not I forget could see that because hold on let's not forget that alex uh i'm trying to remember his name jose help me if you remember man uh alexander katai alexander katai 2020 he was cut by the LA Galaxy over his wife's racist and violent Instagram posts. Not something he said, something his wife said on social media. So that is probably the most extreme example or the, the harshest punishment that we have seen from an MLS team or MLS when it comes to racism. That is, that is the most... Uh, yeah. That that's just the biggest example, or the, or the harshest. Yeah. Yes. So that's that's. Yeah. Listen, and that was that came from the LA Galaxy. We haven't even talked about what DC United could do if if he's found guilty. Listen, if if one team has you know released a player over a wife making comments on social media, and then we're talking about an actual player doing it here, I think I think it's I think it's a it's going to be a very tough situation to see Taxi Fontas in MLS. Um, you know, 16 games minimum, minimum. But I think I think it's it could be a lot, lot, lot worse than that. Uh, 
do you guys have anything else you want to add to wrap up on this topic before we move on to the actual? You know, for me, it's it's, uh, it's also about the players. I think you know it's it's good that you know when something like that happens, you don't think twice, and and you know you tell people that that you know you tell the referee, you tell your coach that you're not comfortable with that, and um, I think that's 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 important. I think it's an opportunity for everybody, and especially for MLS to. You know, set the record straight because, uh, um, you know, I asked yesterday, um, Yetlin about, you know, MLS, they do have a, a lot of campaigns, but I think, you know, um, the campaigns are, are, are very important. But when something actually happens and, and you need to take action, then that's when you really show how committed you are. And so uh, I commend the players. I think they did the right thing, calling this out, feel, if they're feeling uncomfortable and, and, I think they did the right thing. And so hopefully, you know, if, if it did happen, if this indeed happened, then, you know, we can see some action from the league that, that we, will help uh, the league grow not only on the field, but this will help, help them grow in so many other ways. That's an unfortunate, it's an unnecessary, and it's just an ugly moment in what was an otherwise solid game for Inter-Miami and a solid day for Inter-Miami because they got outside help. They were able to move above the playoff line uh my final thoughts on on just this overall is that you know it's it's 2022 this still happens and you know having to ask professional soccer players about this happening on the field as opposed to the goals they scored the goals they gave up um you know it it, it doesn't sit well with me and i'm sure it doesn't sit well with anybody or most people um because obviously we're there to watch 22 players plus run around on a green rectangle and try to put the ball into the back of the net. Like it's, it's at the end of the day, it's meant for our entertainment. Yes. We, you know, we, we take it seriously and professionally in terms of the results and, and where players stand. But at the end of the day, this is for fun. This is for entertainment and to see it get to this point, obviously is not what anybody wants. And it's just, uh, it's a shame. It's a shame, especially at this late point in the season when I know the focus should be on Inter Miami really making this push for the playoffs and being within three games of accomplishing something that many of us, many listeners, many people in the MLS world thought was impossible. So we will switch gears now. Inter Miami wins this one three to two. Three to two. Another late goal for what I dub the heart-stopping Herons. This time it comes from Gonzalo Higuain in the 94th minute. Now Inter Miami also got a brace from Leonardo Campana in this one. DC United got goals from Christian Benteke and again Taxi Fontas. So Inter Miami pulls it out late. They moved up to 7th place because the Columbus crew who were in that position at the start of the day, they gave up an equalizing goal in the dying seconds of their match, their home match against the Portland Timbers. Essentially what was the final kick of the game. So Columbus gave up a goal late, Inter-Miami scores a goal late. That pushes Inter-Miami into seventh place. Now Inter-Miami, once again, has destiny in their own hands if they went out which is a tough task but if they went out nobody can catch them 
Nobody behind them can catch them. That's if they win out. Tough task still. There's some tough games on the schedule. But focusing on this match, Jose, your thoughts on Inter-Miami coming out on top? (laughs) I think you're going to be surprised, but I did not like the way they played. (laughs) I think they... The the one thing, you know, that I I think it's a common denominator in the games that they won against um, Toronto, the game that they won against New York City FC and now against DC United, is that they do capitalize on mistakes. And... um, I think that happened yesterday, except for the third goal. I think the first two goals, I mean, those are gifts from the goalkeeper. Ochoa, is he Ochoa? Yes. Yes, Yes, Ochoa. I think, I mean, I just, I just, it's just bad goalkeeping. And so, um, but I I give them credit for that. I think, you know, you, you, you have to take advantage of mistakes but I didn't like the the game as a whole. Uh, um, obviously, the most important thing for them is getting three points. It doesn't really matter how. Um, it doesn't matter if you have to go through a two-and-a-half-hour rain delay. Um, it doesn't really matter if you're not playing at your best level. If you get three points, you move on because that's what they need and that's what they did. So uh, that's the good part. But I think as a whole, I, I didn't like the game as much. I, I understand, and I and I like the fact that Phil was aggressive with playing with Campana and Higuain and Duke and, and Pozuelo. Um, I, I really like that line. I really, really like it. Uh, I think it, it would only work against DC United, but I really, really like it because I think it's aggressive. I think that lineup will give you goals, and um, and that's what you need to, to, to qualify to the playoffs. But if if we're really critical here and we go to the run of play and all that, I didn't like the way they play at all. I think they should have been better. And, and at times I thought DC United played, played well. And, and so, so um, yeah, the performance, not, not great, but the three points, that's, that's all that matters. But they got the job done in the end. And right. It doesn't have to be pretty at this point. It just has to be effective. That's all Inter Miami needs. Uh, essentially to make the playoffs. If they can win these games, it doesn't matter how ugly they are, we'll remember that they make the playoffs, not necessarily how well they played or how poorly they played in them. This was the starting lineup that I did not mention beforehand, but it was a 4-4-2 diamond formation. Yes, the diamond formation Jose and I said last week that we thought we would see again. That's what the formation was to start this one, and it was very attack-minded, and this was the starting 11. Drake Callender in goal, DeAndre Yedlin, Damian Lowe, Amey Mabika, and Christopher McVeigh made up the back four. The six was Gene Mota. Then the more advanced midfielders, but off to the sides a little bit, you know, tucked in, uh, not not wingers, tucked in in the diamond, were Gregory and Bryce Duke, Pozuelo as the... 10, although he had freedom to roam. And then Gonzalo Higuain and Leonardo Campana were up top. They were very, very disjointed or disconnected from a lot of the rest of the team. Especially during those opening 45 minutes, I thought they just, you know, they couldn't they couldn't connect with the, with Pozuelo in the midfield. And, and it, it, they weren't dropping deep enough. Like, they were too far, they are too advanced. And then that led to, you know, sometimes long balls being played forward. And, and Inter-Miami just did not look great in that first half. And I agree with you. We'll talk We'll talk about that a little bit more later on, that the performance left a lot to be desired. I think that they need to really step it up performance-wise if they're going to beat Toronto FC. And I know Toronto FC just lost 4-0 to to Orlando City. But Toronto FC will be at home. 
And Toronto FC still has very, very dangerous players. So give them that time and space in their home venue. I think you could be in for, for a rough day. So, But anyway, we'll focus on this game again. Andrea, what are your thoughts overall on the match and Inter-Miami pulling it out late? I really like the formation because uh, this was what we've been talking about that could be a best formation for Inter-Miami during the season. Uh, a, a little bit more attack-minded. But I agree with Jose that they didn't play well. The beginning of the game was bad. Um, they took time to settle in. Um, I guess that happens to Inter-Miami every time. Then you see the real Inter-Miami in the second half. But I think this team has potential. Uh, uh, like Jose said, it was against DC United, who are very limited. You can see Rooney's hand in some of the plays, but are very limited in, in, in other aspects. But um, I think this team has potential, especially not just for this season, but for the future. Um, most of these players are coming back next year. So uh, I guess Inter-Miami has a bright future if, if we continue to see uh, this type of play, this type of formation with the players that they have available. Also, um, well, Campana's brace, I was happy to see him score again, and that is what a, a nine should do. It doesn't matter if it's pretty, if it's um, technical, if it's beautiful. Uh, Campana did his job, and that is, that is why his goals uh, has had helped Inter Miami when Gonzalo was not doing so well. So... His goals have not been as beautiful as the ones that Gonzalo has scored, but these two were important. And what to say about Iwain? Iwain, in this podcast, since I'm I'm a member of the podcast, I have always defended him, and this is what I meant. Um, Iwain is Iwain. He has played at the highest level, and if I had to choose a player to be there, like he has shown these last two games, and he showed on um, on this game against DC United, it's him. He's gonna find a way. He's gonna find a space. And and in this league, you need players like that. And I'm really glad he took the team um, under his wing. And by his hand, Inter Miami can can finally say that they depend on themselves to go to the playoffs. So I I, I am happy with what I saw. It, it can be better. It should be better because. These are good players. If you see the lineup, Duke, Pozuelo, Mota should play better, but maybe that comes with time. I don't know if it's going to be enough or if he is going to use the same formation against Toronto because, as you said, it's difficult. It's the last game, and Toronto will want at home that they have, so they will want, want to win even though they are already out of the playoffs. So it's going to be hard, but maybe they can build say, up. I would say... I want to say one thing for my fellow Hondurans or, or you know, people that have been watching MLS for years. This United is so bad that Andy Nahar is playing as a left back. Left Man, it back. It was when when I saw Yellen pass through Nahar, I was like, what the hell is Rooney thinking? <laughs> Andy Nahar is the right back. Well, he was a right back. He plays as a right back just because he's playing for DC United right now. He should be playing as a right back, a right back in DC United. But he never played as a left back. He's playing way out of position, and I think the third goal showed it pretty yeah. clearly. It, yeah. it is a bad team. That's a bad, bad team. It is a bad team. But listen, we talked about it, it was going to be hard because sometimes bad teams... People think, oh, they're easy or they're already out. 
the same thing will happen with Toronto because these teams are eliminated, but they don't want to seem so bad. And, and and when they win, if they can ruin the party for someone else, they're gonna do it. And DC United almost did it because if Miami had tied, we we have been we would be talking that they didn't take advantage of a, a what happened in in the Columbus Portland match. So a draw wouldn't have necessarily doomed Inter Miami. They still would have been within striking distance, and they have the tiebreaker over Columbus as of right now. So a tie wouldn't have doomed them. Would not have. But anyway, that was your Honduran highlight moment on this week's podcast because Andrea and Jose always have to bring up some Honduran in some way, shape, or form. They just always have to do it. Now, but you, you know, you know, so, that Andrea is a right back, right? Yeah, yes, you remember yes, him from yes. the early this United. Yes, and I remember him last year yeah, going shoulder a, to shoulder with Iguain on a fifty-fifty and knocking Iguain, who's much larger than him, over. Uh, and I, th- <laughs> I, I swear to you, I'm not even joking. I think that was one of the moments that maybe opened the eyes of the coaching staff. And after that was when Iguain was like, you know, he was put on that fitness program or that program that, you know, he set out several games for that, that it was in that moment in like May to, to June. Uh, and I think that that moment was one of them because Andy Nahar should not be knocking over Gonzalo Iguain in a 50-50. Like, just, that, should just, that should just not be happening. But anyway, uh, something that you guys have not noted that I think needs to be noted because DC United did look better for large stretches of this game is that this was the first time Christian Benteke and Taxi Fontas started together, if I'm not mistaken, for DC United. And Taxi Fontas has been very productive in MLS. He's been productive against Inter Miami. And Christian Benteke, obviously the Belgian striker, incredible pedigrees, played a lot, played uh, at high levels in Europe and with, with the Belgian national team. You know, So to have two players of that quality on the field in the attack, yes, they might not give you a whole lot defensively, but they obviously give you a bunch of quality and I think that played a part. But I agree with you guys again that Inter-Miami, well, I guess Andrea did not say this, but or as, as clearly as Jose did, but Inter-Miami, from the performance-wise, or performance standpoint, just did not look great for much of the game. And look, against the Chicago Fire, they were punished. And they weren't able to overcome it. This game, they were able to overcome the lack of higher performance levels. Got to do it again against Toronto FC, away from home. That's the last away game. You've got to play better. I don't think you can get away with it again, especially with Toronto FC having playing free, Toronto FC you know being eliminated from the playoffs, and Toronto FC having, again, quality players that can hurt you. So anyway, let's stick on this game. Iguain comes good again. He now has 13 goals on the season. I'm feeling really good. About my preseason prediction that said wow, he would be the. No shame. Well, yeah. Hold on. I, hold on. Here we go. I knew that was coming, but hold on. But I'm feeling really good about my preseason prediction about Iguain finishing as both the top goal scorer and the team MVP because I think he's the clear cut front runner in terms of the MVP race. I don't think there's anyone that will match him unless something wild happens over these last three games. And. Campanas, I guess you could say Campanas within striking distance of, of Iguain for the lead in goals, but I don't think Campana gets there. I think Iguain holds on to his to his lead there. Now, yes, in the summer. That yes, position, in the That position was off the board the minute you said he should retire, he's no longer a, a play, player. I mean, off the board immediately, one second after that. So come on. 
Come on, come on. Listen, I said it after the game against Dallas, and I noted, I was like, maybe the Heat on, I think it was July 4th that they played. I was like, maybe the Heat in Dallas really took a toll on him. It was his first start back in a long time. I definitely said that on that podcast. 100% said that. So, there you go. Yeah, but... Are, are and and to and to the hey and to that no 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 and to that point that? and to that point we 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 have witnesses that we always maintain even though Gonzalo Iwain was on the bench that he should be a clear starter over anyone. Uh, well, I don't think he should have been a clear starter over anyone given his form in the first half of the season. The form he's in now, incredible. He has eleven goals and I forget how many games now. Clearly, he's among, if not the hottest striker in MLS right now. And I, I know you're going to say Andrea Romel Kyoto, Romel Kyoto, the hunter, and but no, Gonz- Romel Kyoto, Gonz- Jesus Ferreira, no, Gonzalo Higuain is Gonzalo Higuain is red hot, man. red hot. I, I, no, let's... he's good. He's good. He's good. Listen, he's good. And and the thing is that his goals have been important because his goals, right now in the last games that he has scored, his goals have turned into points to Inter Miami that have right. them. They're proving uh, decisivos. Within distance. Están yeah, haciendo la diferencia. They're making the difference. They're yeah, proving decisive. The now, yeah. and the, you know what's interesting? You know what's interesting that he still complains, but we don't care as much now. No, but it's, it's not the <laughs> yeah. same. But it's not the it's same. No, no, no. It's, it's he's it's, definitely it's, toned it's it down tremendously. Having Robbie Robinson. Yeah, I mean, that uh, is what I was going to say. But I yeah. didn't want to be labeled as a Robbie hater because y- you always say that that I don't like him. But yes, because hey. he now he now ha- he now has players that he trusts. Ari, uh, he trusts uh, Campana. He trusts Pozuelo, Bryce Duke. So he's comfortable. He's comfortable. He definitely has toned it down a good bit. Toned it down a, a lot bit. A lot bit. And look, Iguain, I just said it. I don't think anyone catches him in the MVP race. I think he still holds on to the goal-scoring lead. What do you guys think? Does Iguain finish as the MVP for the season, regardless of how this finishes out? Uh, Andrea and then Jose. Andrea, you go first. Yes, 100%. I think he does. Um, we, we talked about it a couple of podcasts ago that we had a list. We had each said five players. And I and, and at that moment of the season, Iwain was not, maybe he was sixth or seventh. But right now, I think he takes the first place uh, unless Damian Lowe or Yellin score the goal that takes Inter Miami to the playoffs. But even, even then... The goal will be important, but it won't be as important as the goals that, that Gonzalo has scored until now and, and the points that, that they have won because of those goals. It's interesting that you have Damian Lowe and DeAndre Yedlin there as two other players that could be in that race, because I don't. I have two different players, but we can save that talking point for once the season's actually over. Jose, will Gonzalo Higuain finish as a team yeah, MVP? I think, yeah, I think it should be the MVP. There's no doubt. I, I don't think anybody else comes close because... Um, Campana, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a very important part of it, but I, I don't think uh, I, the way that Gonzalo Wayne handled the last few weeks, I think that's 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 very telling. That's very telling. You know, it's it's one thing to score early in the mm. season and and to have the energy of okay, I'm getting an opportunity, I'm going to take advantage, and and a whole lot of credit for Campana for that. But when you team, when your team needs to win games, win games, and they rely on you because Campana is injured, and you come out and you perform and you score, I think that's a high caliber player, and that's why, that's the one thing that makes me think that there's nobody close to Iwain this year. 
Big players step up in big moments, and Higuain is doing that for the South Florida side. Before we switch gears to something else in this game, it has to be noted, has to be noted, at least I will note, Inter Miami was a bit lucky. Inter Miami was a bit lucky to get that game-winning goal because DC United has the ball, and they're about to spring a pretty promising-looking attack and transition. And I believe it's Russell Canoos that looks to hit a pass to Christian Benteke down the left. But Victor Paulson gets in the way. And it bounces off of Victor Paulson into the path, back into the path, going the other way now, transition for in favor of Inter Miami to Indiana Vasilev, who I criticized last week. He now has a secondary assist, and it proved to be a big one. I know we dislike secondary assists here, but he finally got his first assist uh, by MLS stats in his two years with the team, right after you know I criticized him for not having any. And he plays a ball to DeAndre Edlin. DeAndre Edlin crosses a great ball into the danger zone, the dangerous spot. And Gonzalo Higuain, with his olfato, with his nose for goal, is able to finish it clinically into the back of the net. And the celebration, man, you could see how much it meant to him. And look, I don't think Gonzalo Higuain had his best game. I think Gonzalo Higuain had one of his weaker games as of late. But still found a way to make a difference. And that's why, you know, Phil Neville keeps him on the field, even in games where he's not playing well. Because he can still come up with that moment of quality, that little moment of magic that maybe nobody else can. Especially right now on this run of form. Quickly, let's go to Leonardo Campana. He gets his first start since returning from the injury, and he scores two goals. The first one off of a blunder from Ochoa following a set piece. Following a corner kick from the left, Phil Neville made sure to point that out to me during his post-game press conference. And then Campana scores in the second half, uh, finishing at the near post with a sliding effort. Uh, and obviously that that had given Inter-Miami the the 2-1 lead at that point. But Taxi Fontas, four minutes later, t- tied it up. But anyway, quickly, Andrea... Can I say something? Oh, go for it. I mean... That's the goal from a set piece, but let's be honest. It's not like you know, that's the... <laughs> Hey, I'm glad you said it, brother. I'm glad you said it. I'm glad you said it. I'm glad you said it. Because if I, if I say it, then it's just going to look like, oh, man. Although I agree with you. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, you scored off a set piece because the goalkeeper made a, sh- a howler <laughs> of a mistake. But, hey, it's go- it counts. It counts as a set piece goal in my book. So, yes, Phil Neville is correct in telling me that they scored off a set piece. Yes, they did. Although... But he did knows they train better. That, he did knows they better. train that with the set piece especially? <laughs> they, tra- they, they, tra- they train to put tanto effect on the ball. Like so much spin on the ball that the goalkeeper has no choice but to spill it into the front of the net and Campana. Right. It, 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 was the, it was the most drawn up set piece I've ever seen in my life. No, listen. Tongue in cheek. We're obviously having, having some fun here. But yes, I agree with you. Clearly there's a huge blunder that allows for the goal to happen. So, you know... I could hear the argument that it, that it shouldn't count, but I would say it counts because, yes, it still comes, you know, it's not off of a second, you know, clearance. And then, I count yeah. it, but don't, don't take credit for that because, <laughs> I mean, just have it on your book and leave it there. But don't take credit for that because, I mean, it's pretty clear. That's hey. almost a known goal. Hey, if Phil never wants to take his win, then, okay. hey, that's not, I have no problem with that. No problem with that. Now, uh, Campana, let's focus on Campana. Focus on Campana, not, not the set pieces. Campana. Two goals, first start, not his best game in terms of the run of play and how sharp he was or how sharp he looked. But, again, two goals that he gets. 
uh, you know, boosting confidence. It'll help him. He, he played uh, a good bit as well before being subbed out. So that'll help him as he, he tries to get back into form during this final stretch. Jose, very quickly. And especially. Okay, Andrea, very quickly. Uh, just your thoughts on, on that. No, it will help Campana, his confidence, and he's coming back, of course, that is important. And also, it will help him to try to get on that 26-man roster because you have three extra spots now that open his his possibilities of going to a World Cup with Ecuador. Because remember, before, there were only 23 players. Now, 26 players can go with the roster. So, um, this helps him. This helps him. These two goals helps him, and it's going to help him. And I guess he's motivated also to help Inter Miami to maybe get, get to stay here. I don't know what, what his contract situation is. I, I know he has a, an option to stay with Inter Miami if they decide to buy them. But listen, Campana has a lot on his plate to think about, about his future, about the World Cup. So I'm glad he's getting the opportunity. I'm glad that he came back. And I, I am excited that he came back with two goals after after not being able to play for, for a long time that he was out. So... It's it's good to see him score again, even though these goals, like we said since the beginning, are not that great, but they count. Hey, they all count the they same. Count. They all count the same. Yeah. Every goal counts the same. No goal counts more. You don't get beauty points or style points for making them pretty. I mean, we exactly. we we you know we cherish them and we revel in in the beauty of some of the aesthetically pleasing ones, but they all count exactly the same. And Campana now has ten goals on the season. That second one, I mean, Pozuelo should have scored, but Pozuelo couldn't get the shot off, and the ball ended up back at Campana's foot because Campana played the pass to Pozuelo for for what should have been a simple finish, but again, the Spaniard couldn't get, couldn't get the shot off. It falls back to Campana, and Campana just, you know, in a desperate lunge, is able to fire it on frame. I think it hits the near post and gets right in between the post and and David Ochoa. So that there you go for Campana, uh, a you know a, a good. Game to build on. Not a great performance, but a good game to build on in terms of fitness, in terms of confidence, and all those things. And I agree with you, uh, Andrea, that I think it definitely helps his, his cause for making the World Cup team. I think he's going to make it. I think given that there's three more more roster spots now in this World Cup, I think he'll 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 make it. If it was 23, it might have been tougher for him. But 26, I think he's on there. I think he's on there. Okay, uh, one. Let's go one more thing before we wrap up this game. Is that Inter Miami had another slow start? We've talked about that a little bit earlier. What do you chalk that up to? Is it the formation? Is it the game plan? Is it just Inter Miami on the road just can't get it, can't figure it out in terms of playing well and and imposing their their tempo and and imposing their will on the other opponent? Jose, quickly, what do you chalk that up to, and how did Inter Miami address that for the next game against Toronto FC? Uh, I think just it, it just comes down to the nature of this team, right? It's it's a problem that it's been ongoing for them throughout the season. Um, I think sometimes it's 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 the lineup. I think sometimes you are more offensive minded, like it happened uh, um, this weekend, and uh, you know they struggle defensively because you know the way you counter counter punch in MLS uh, having a bad defense is, is is having good players at the top, and I think with uh, Benteke playing for this United. That presented a challenge for 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 Inter Miami because they were a lot better uh, offensively talking about this United early in the game, and so uh, maybe that was something unexpected. But every game there seems to be something that bothers this team, um, especially when they're on the road to get going the, the right way, especially early in the match. So I think that comes within the team. You know that that that's something that happens. You know th- those are struggles that you carry on through the season and you try to move past them. 
Um, obviously, the time to address that, because it has happened so consistently throughout the year, it, it, it's not now. It's in the off season. You need to find a way to stop that. But I think it's hard to do it on the run, and especially now at the end of the regular season. But they have to stop it against Toronto FC. They can't. I mean, they could. I guess they could because this team fights until the until the very last second and always has a chance. But you don't want to keep putting yourself in that situation. I think they need to make sure. Phil Neville said it publicly. He has said it. Like we have to get the lineup right. And I don't know if he's gotten the game plan and the lineup right in the last four matches. Because in the last four games, Inter-Miami has not looked great in the first halves. Now we're talking the 1-0 loss to the Columbus Crew. We're talking the 3-1 loss to the Chicago Fire. We're talking the 2-1 victory against the Columbus Crew. Inter-Miami took a lead in that game, but they weren't the better team from the run of play by any means. Before the the weather delay, they looked much better in the second half, and they came out and, and won it late. And then in this game against DC United... Again, one of the worst teams, and yes, they did have Fontas and, and Benteke in there, which has to be noted, but they just didn't look all that good. And, and, and against and Toronto FC is not a great team either, but against teams that have quality players, like we saw with the Chicago Fire, I mean, they can hurt you and they can make you pay if you are not at your best from the opening whistle. So, there's, look, there's one more away game in the regular season. It's a big one for Inter-Miami. Phil Neville has to find a way to address that. Maybe simplify things. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what he has to do, but there he there has to be a way that Inter Miami just looks much sharper from the start because you're asking for trouble playing that poorly, despite the fact that this team has a never say die attitude and that they continue to find ways to get points and get results and get wins late on. Okay, now before we close this out, it's time to look at an updated playoff picture. Again, Inter Miami is in seventh place. They have 42 points from 31 games. Within reach, with three games left in the season, let's just keep it realistic because we can make it a lot more complicated if we want to go higher. But let's go right now in fifth is Orlando City with 45 from 31. In sixth is Cincinnati with 45 from 31. So Inter Miami's three points away from both of those teams or, or, or leveling those teams on points if they drop points. Now underneath them, are the Columbus Crew with 42 points, same as Inter-Miami, from 31 games, but they have less wins. Wins are, is the first tiebreaker. Inter-Miami has 12 wins. Columbus has nine. So they're still neck and neck. They're still neck and neck. I mean, Inter-Miami, as long as it continues to match the Columbus Crew in terms of points the rest of the way, Inter-Miami is through to the playoffs. Now Atlanta is in ninth, 40 points from 32 games, so they've played one more. It's going to be a bit of a challenge. They're not out of it yet. And there are other teams that are not mathematically out of it, but I think that's that's pretty much it. I think those are your five teams that will were the three that will make the playoffs, will round out the playoff picture. That's where they will come from. Orlando, Cincinnati, Miami, Columbus, Atlanta. Andrea, you argued with me very strongly last time you were here on the pod and in the shows prior to that because I said at that point, and this was when Inter-Miami was playing well and they were winning games, that they looked like a playoff team the way they beat New York City FC, the way that they played against the Red Bulls up until the red card. But you said no. Change of heart, Andrea. Does Inter-Miami look like a playoff team now? And do you think they make it? I don't know if they look like a playoff team 100% because we talked about it the whole podcast, and I'm not going to repeat it. 
But um, I think right now what I can say is that they can make it. This is their real chance to make it. It is completely on their hands to make it because it doesn't matter what Cincinnati and Orlando do. For me, they are already in the playoffs. It doesn't matter the position. They are already in the playoffs. Inter Miami just needs to get just need to get the points from the last three games, two of them which are at home. They just need to get uh, the sufficient points to get past Columbus, who are their closest uh, follower. And um, it, it's in their hands. So I think the playoff uh, path is clear. Okay. Uh, do, they do, sure they if, do they make it? Do they make it? Do they make it? I'm not sure if they make it because, well, it's a difficult game against Toronto, and if we we look forward, it is more difficult against Orlando and difficult against Montreal. But those games are are at home. So, for me, the defining point for them to make the playoffs is is the result that they get in Toronto. So hopefully we will see a different Inter Miami than what 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 we saw at the beginning of the match against Inter um, DC United, because for me that's the crucial game for Inter Miami to make the playoffs. And um, I wanted to say quickly that um, Columbus have the New York Red Bulls, they have Charlotte that is almost out, and they have Orlando. So Orlando can decide who makes it to the playoffs if Inter Miami or Columbus. <laughs> Orlando, it's gonna be fun to see. Orlando could also technically fall out in theory if they lose. Yeah, the they three. could also. Yeah, so. yeah, they could fall out. But it's interesting because they are, like you said, they are all fighting. For me, Orlando and Cincinnati are in the playoffs already. But it, it could, it could far. change. I wouldn't go that far. But yeah, does, it, does my Inter Miami make it? Yes or no? Yes or no? I will have to see that game against them. No, 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 no. Yes or no, Andrea? Come on. Put your hands to the flame. Yes or no? <laughs> they have two games at home, so I, I I, want to say yes. I want to say yes. But? I have to see the game against Toronto. <laughs> no, no, see, no. So, so you're saying no. You're essentially saying no. Okay. No, no. I'm saying yes, but with an asterisk. No, no. That, that doesn't count if you go one more game ahead to see if you get the result or not. That's not how it works. It, yeah, it counts. Yes, Andrea with, is with disqualified. At the bottom. Andrea is disqualified from our predictions the rest of this, this season. Ho- Jose, last week you and I both said we did not think Inter Miami makes the playoffs. The listeners are curious. They're wondering. Has Island Jose changed his mind? Is Inter Miami bound for the playoffs now? Or do you still think it's a tough, tough ask and too tall of a task? Um, I don't think they make it. I'm sorry, but I don't think they make it. <laughs> Dang. Dang. Convinced. I'm not convinced that they will make it. And I'll tell you what. I, 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 I guess... And I understand that, you know, if you guys are saying that it all depends on them to win mm-hmm. three more games and they're in. Uh, at this point, it's a little bit more realistic than when you guys said the same thing basically seven games ago when there were there was ten games to go, I think, and um, and they were in fifth place, if I'm not mistaken, and you all were saying it's all on them. If they win out, they're in. Those were ten. 10 games at this point and whatever i'll let you finish i'll let you finish i'm not gonna take the bait just yet 
because of how things were are in the, the in the East, um, I don't see Inter Miami winning out for the rest of the season, and and that's why I'm gonna say no because um, I, I actually see them maybe winning one of the last ga- three games. So no, I just I just don't see it. I just don't see it. And and I'm gonna say something that Pedro Gonzalez from the Miami Herald mentioned the other day in the press box. El nuevo Herald. El Nuevo Herald, see, sí. from El Nuevo Herald. Um, he said, this team might be better not making it to the playoffs and really fixing everything that they need to fix rather than thinking that because they ended up in seventh place, one point ahead of eighth place, or just by winning the tiebreaker and believing that they really are a playoff team and a good team. So I really agree with him that, you know, if, if Inter-Miami is not in the playoffs, maybe it's not a bad thing. I... Maybe next year you're fighting for something other than seventh place and maybe you'll go a little bit higher. I disagree with that, and I don't even think that that's a possibility here. Like, look, it's good for the fans if Inter-Miami makes it. It's good for their bottom line. It's good for just the success of the season that Inter-Miami makes it. And I don't think that if they make it at seventh place, even if they go on a run... In the playoffs, I don't think that Chris Henderson and Phil Neville will be under any illusion that this team is the team. That they don't have to make any real upgrades or changes. They will be if they're claiming that goal was from a set team. No, no, no. Listen, listen, they you will can, claim you can, that they no, are a good team. No, you can, <laughs> listen, you can say something publicly, but behind closed doors, when they have their meetings and they're talking amongst themselves, they're going to say, look, we didn't get enough production from our wingers. We need to upgrade the winger position and they will do so this is just an example right this is an example and, and I'm, I'm just you know supposition here it's my supposition but i don't think and mls teams across the board listen they've gone on runs in the in the playoffs and, and they've they finish higher than they do in the regular or they finish better in the playoffs than they did in the regular season but that doesn't that shouldn't and it does not i i would believe it does not really confuse teams or most teams at least teams with you know really good you know, front office people and, and GMs and, and management and people in, in positions of power. I don't think it confuses teams to be to to believe that okay, just because we did well in the playoffs or because we made the playoffs, that there's not things to address. And I don't think Chris Henderson would make that mistake. I think that they would look to upgrade the team regardless of where they finish, because right now this team is a 12 wins, six draws, 13 losses team. So they're just at 500 or almost at 500, just below it. So. Not not a great team. And I think the overall analysis from Inter-Miami's staff when the season ends, think that will be taken into consideration more so than they made the playoffs and whatever happened after that. I don't think that that will be as determining as what actually happened in the regular season. I will answer the question and we'll close out this segment. I know I'm how I'm going to come off, but I'm with Jose. I still don't think they make the playoffs. I think... Look, there's, I think there's more of a chance now than I did before because this team continues to show that grit, that never-say-die attitude, and that's a wonderful quality to have in a team because you can never count them out. No matter what, no matter how difficult the circumstances are, you just can't count them out. So it's very possible that they could make it. But I'm with you, Jose, and I laughed when you said it. So you can laugh back now, but I just don't think they make it. I think they have to win two of the next three. 
and I just don't know if they do it. Toronto's a tough task. Orlando at home. Yes, Miami's been really good at home this year, but that's not an easy game. Montreal's not an easy game either. Maybe Montreal plays their 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 backups at that point because you know they're they're five points away from first place, nine points clear of third place. So maybe maybe they have nothing to play for. So you know maybe you can win that one, but I don't know. I just don't see them beating. Toronto, uh, and I don't know if they beat Orlando. I think I think that could be the the real dagger, but we'll see. It's definitely there to be had. It's definitely possible, not out of the realm of the possibility. And listen, I, I and Jose will eat crow if at the end of the season they make the playoffs, and then they've succeeded. And then this season is a success, regardless of how it finishes in the playoffs. If they get blown out, or if they make a run and get to the Eastern Conference semifinals or finals. It will be deemed a success, and Phil Neville and the team will deserve their plaudits for making the playoffs, despite being very hamstrung and very uh, up against it with all the sanctions and everything that's gone on. So, all right, let's leave it there. We'll come back for a very quick, quick Q&A session, and our final thoughts, we'll do that after this. Okay, guys, Q&A time. Let's just do one because we've gone long and I said this would be a shorter pod. So let's not try to push that hour and a half. Let's try to keep it shorter. And it comes from Twitter. If Inter Miami doesn't make the playoffs, what would be considered their best achievement this season? Conversely, if they do make the playoffs, what would be their biggest disappointment this season? Who wants to start? Who wants to take the biggest achievement if they don't make the playoffs? Andrea or Jose? Uh, okay, Jose. I'll take it, but I have... Yeah, I can, uh, biggest achievement if they don't make the playoffs. Uh, I would say Campana if they get to keep him. Because, I mean, that's a young player. Um, they gave him an opportunity. And um, if they get to have him for, for the long term, I think he can be a, a consistent goal scorer for Inter Miami. He... Uh, he has the one-year experience in the league, so that will be the highlight for me. Okay. Uh, I will say, and I don't know if Andrea wants to add anything very quickly, but I will say that they have a foundation now, a foundation of a team, of a team that fights for each other, that plays more cohesively. It's not necessarily the prettiest soccer. It's not necessarily the most effective soccer. Sometimes it's not even great tactically, but it's a team, and it's a team that fights and believes until the very end, and that they've been able to push to this point is an achievement in and of itself. I still think they need to make the playoffs for us to deem this season a success, but that would be the biggest achievement if they don't make it. That they were able to, in one offseason, have a, a solid foundation for what's to come going forward. Andrea, conversely, if they don't, if they do make the playoffs, what would be the biggest disappointment this season? Well, I guess the biggest disappointment has to be that Barcelona match. If they make the playoffs, <laughs> we are going to forget about every loss that they had. The, the showing that they did against Tormenta in the U.S. Open Cup. All of that will be forgotten because we didn't expect them to get to the playoffs. And that was the worst thing that happened this season. That this play against Barcelona was horrendous. 
awful. I I don't even have words to keep saying. I don't know enough words in English to keep <laughs> talking about that performance. So I think that was the worst part of the season um, uh, with Inter Miami. And in a close second, that game against Tormenta in the U.S. Open Cup, which was horrendous and... They won, but it was a horrendous display. So I would take my analysis deeper, bigger picture, and I would say the biggest disappointment, and Jose is going to want to rebuttal, he's going to get that that urge to do so, is that the wing play was still subpar. Subpar. And Ariel Lasseter had his moments, and he was probably the most productive winger, more so than even Robert Taylor, who I think is more talented with the ball, but... Overall, the wingers just did not produce enough for this team. And they need to produce. They needed to produce more uh, to put Inter Miami in a better position than they are in now. And that'll be an area where I'm sure Inter Miami will look to upgrade going into next year. Because the wingers just did not do it. By the way, Jose Ariel Lasseter, uh, with three games left in the regular season, he has 16 starts. So not looking like he's going to get to 23, like we said in preseason. So I would have won the non-bet bet, but anyway, I digress. Anything you want to add there? Or do we just leave it at that? Um, what was the second question? Or the other part of the question? What would be the biggest disappointment the if, uh-huh. if they do make the playoffs? I still think the wing plays. I think something else, sorry, I didn't add this. Hosen, you can you can chime in right after is that left-back situation, that left-back spot continues to be a revolving door. I know Christopher McVeigh has played there much of the year, but he's clearly at not, not his favorite. It's not his best position. They haven't been able to find a natural left-back, despite having several on the team. Don't forget Breck Shea, Jovan Jones, Kieran Gibbs, Noah Allen. They just haven't been able to find a natural left back that can fill in that position. And they've had to force Christopher McVeigh out of his spot. And I think, again, he's done a respectable job. Respectable job. Yeah, that's exactly where I wanted to go. Yeah, that's exactly where I wanted to go. I think they they basically played a full season without a left back. Because, I mean, McVeigh, obviously, is not a left back. Uh, you finally understood what you a video the other day in the press box of the limitations that he presents as a left back. You saw it, and I was happy to show you in front of everybody else in the press box. <laughs> and uh, Sad that I wasn't there. It's Someone yeah, should have done a there. video for me. Yeah, I should have. That's true. That's true. My bad. My bad. But, yeah, I think I think that, that would be the one thing, obviously. And I think that that would be the first thing that they need to address in the offseason. I think the wingers. Yeah, I think wingers I, I is more important. That, I think that, wingers that, is more important. That that will be more important for me also. But the getting wingers, a, a left. you get a lot of money. The wingers, you know, you have to pay wingers nowadays. You know, wingers is yeah. What what used to be the, the number ten, you used to get a lot of money. Now it's it's the wingers. If you want to get good wingers, you have to pay a lot of money, and and you really have to be a good team. And Do right we... now, I think Inter Miami, they they have the wingers that you would expect that as a seventh or eighth or ninth place team in MLS. Do we agree that Ariel Lasseter has been the best winger on this team this year? Yes, yes, yes. 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 Okay, and he has three goals and four assists in twenty-seven games played, sixteen starts. So, not a great haul. Not a great haul. It's okay. Not great. Uh, all right, that does it for the Q and A session. We'll leave it there. Very quickly, your final thoughts. Uh, I will start, and I know I'm going to hear it from Jose, but I think it deserves a shout. Because before Inter-Miami won this game late against DC United, and we did not talk about it during the segment where we dove into the game, Drake Callender made a massive, massive, massive save. It wasn't a spectacular, eye-bulging save, but it was a very good save 
uh, that helped Inter Miami stay on level terms. If they had given up a goal there, they probably don't win this one. Probably don't win this one. And let's not forget, in the previous game against the Columbus Crew, he also had a good reaction save to to stop a potential equalizer for the Columbus Crew. So Drake Calder is back to making decisive saves. Game-changing and point-saving stops. Now, you're going to call me Drake Calder's agent. That's fine. But I think he deserves a mention because he had been benched not too long ago by Phil Neville. He's back to being the number one again. And he's making good on that. Taking advantage, once again, of the opportunity after having a dip in form and having some rough moments where he let up some easy goals. All right, that's it for my final thought. Andrea, you're up next. Well, uh, since I know what Jose's final thought is going to be about, um, I wanted to say that for the first time in a long, long time, on Sunday in Miami, we were all happy because Inter Miami won but also the Marlins won with Sandy Alcantara, their superstar, and the Dolphins won with Tua, Gesecki, uh, Cheetah, and uh, Jalen Waddle. So it was a good day that three teams that are competing won, and it's not a day that you could celebrate a lot in Miami having three wins. So it was a good day for the city. Jose. Well, my final thought, and and Andrea thinks that it's going to be about Argentina and Honduras, but I did it last week, so I'm not going to do it again. My final thing is on Miami FC. They are in the playoffs. Over the weekend, they had a very disappointing result, a 2-2 draw at home. But thanks to Indy 11 dropping points against uh, Monterrey FC, they have officially qualified to the playoffs. So they there there will be playoff uh, football in South Florida in a few weeks. It will be, well, actually not. It won't be in in South Florida, but you know what I mean. A team from South Florida will be in the playoffs for sure later this year. That's the biggest dig at Inter Miami on this podcast, on this episode, because you're essentially saying, you said they're not going to make it, and you're saying Miami FC, they're the only ones that are going to bring playoff soccer uh, or have playoff soccer. Uh, for the South Florida community, well, which it's is guaranteed not... for now, right? Right, right, right. guaranteed. I know, I know, but you, I mean, you're essentially, I mean, you're just doubling down on what you said before, which is you don't think it's Miami makes it, which okay, all right. By the way, both of you completely botched your final thoughts by not mentioning anything about Argentina because Argentina's training at Drive Pink Stadium, they're using Inter Miami's facilities. There's a picture right now that was posted 30 minutes ago on Inter Miami's Instagram feed of Lionel Messi. Messi is in front of an Inter Miami CF logo in his Argentina jersey. Is that foreshadowing of what could come in 2023? We'll see. We'll see. But anyway, let's leave it there. We've gone on a good bit. Closing in on our usual talk time, so this is not that much shorter of a pod at all, but we tried our best. So, for Jose Armando, a.k.a. Island Jose, and for Andrea Yanes, a.k.a. Ajisita, I am Franco Penizo. You have been listening to Miami Total Football. Rrr.